the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, family. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights, back again, and we're excited to talk to you. We love doing this, and I want to talk to you today about prayer, about America's praying church. It's something that I've noticed that's been happening, and it's really good. It's done my spirit so great to see that not only are we praying as a church, but we're seeing God answer some of these prayers, and I want to point them out to you to give you an encouragement. You know, during the last seven months or so, our nation's been under satanic assault. I mean, there's no disputing that. You can try to make a case for no, but it, it's so obvious the things that have happened to our nation. That's not an opinion. That's a truth. Not only have we been under assault from Satan, but we've also, because of our rejection of God's word, because we despise God's word as a people, as a nation, we've come under judgment. And so it's really been a rough time for America. It's been building, but it's really manifested since January. And I want to talk to you today, the fact that uh, because of the prayer, because of the people that are praying, the remnant in the church, we're coming together and we're moving forward with God. And I'm excited about that. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, I noticed that Kushner and Pompeo are back in Israel again. And what a coincidence. There's another hurricane brewing in the Gulf. Every time the United States tries to pressure Israel into doing something, whether it's giving up land, whether it's refusing to settle land, whether it's compromising the truth that God's spoken about Israel, every time we try to broker a deal and push that forward, we can name it peace, we can name it anything we want. There seems to be a storm coming in the Gulf. It's one of the remedial judgments where God lets us know, you cannot violate my word, you cannot partner with those that are attempting to destroy Israel. And we're doing it. Like I said, we, we've got our reasons, our good reasons for doing it. I don't know if we understand the spiritual significance of doing that. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. But back to my point. In addition to witnessing all of this unrest that's taking place in our nation, all the calamity, all the violence, all the judgment in America, I'm also noticing an uptick in prayer. And that is so encouraging. You know, it's not just noticing, but I'm also participating in this on a personal level, my wife and I. We really committed during this election time, and I hope it remains through the election, after the election, into 2021. But we have committed our lives to increased prayer and hanging out in the presence of God with brothers and sisters in Christ as we go to bat for America, as we intercede for the health of the church, man. And it's so exciting. We've given up our Friday nights. You know, we used to get home on Friday night, maybe order a pizza, and then uh, watch Blue Bloods on television. We love that stuff. One of my favorite shows. And yet... They're not making any shows anymore, so we're kind of left out in the cold. But we just said, hey, we're going to make lemonade. We will open our house to prayer on Friday nights, and it's been a wonderful success. We're seeing God move. We're sensing his presence. That has led 
to my church, our church locally, instituting a Saturday night prayer time also. And that's been met with great response. We're seeing God move in that. We believe we are having an effect for the good of our nation. We've got we've got like 30, 40 people in attendance there, and it's just a wonderful time right now. So we just want to encourage you, do something like that similarly in your own place. In my Christian circle, you know, I'm not hearing too much about the false gospel, about the hyper-grace message, about the overly prosperity message that God wants to bless you and God wants to favor you. I'm hearing about sacrifice. I'm hearing about truthfulness. I'm hearing about holiness and the prayers that we're praying. These are battle plans, man. We're, we're putting together an army. God is doing that to assault the strongholds that Satan's taken from us, that we've let him have. And that's our fault. That's on us. But we are repenting. We are coming back together again. You know, the event in Washington, D.C. with Franklin Graham and Jonathan Kahn and a whole bunch of others was a tremendous testimony to the God-answering prayers. We prayed. We're praying for revival in America. We are praying for repentance first, and we're about to see that, and I'm so excited. And I want to point out to you a couple of areas where God's actually answered prayer. You know, he He loves us to pray. Prayer is basically you talking to God. In some instances, it's supplication. Sometimes it's intercessory prayer, which you see a lot of that going on now, where we are battling in the realm of the Spirit. We are asserting our authority in the jurisdiction that God's given us in the realm of the Spirit. Matthew sixteen eighteen. I love this scripture. You really should read 17, verse 17 with it. But uh, verse uh, 18, chapter 16, Matthew, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, a lot of people misunderstand that, thinking that, oh, yeah, Peter's the rock that God's going to build the church. Jesus is going to build the church on. No, no, no. God would never build a church on man. That's not what God is about. That's not who he is. The truth of that is God is going to build his church upon the revelation knowledge, the Holy Spirit revealing to mankind that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That truth and that truth alone is the bedrock, the foundation of the church that Jesus is building us into. The shutting down of the American church has truly separated the men from the boys, as it were, the true from the false. Megachurches are being dismantled, will soon continue to be dismantled, and smaller home group style churches will rise up, just as they did in the early days of the church. You know, it's great. God's people always find a way. I know so many churches are still closed right now, and yet some of these churches that have been open, they are fighting for survival. They are Uh, making a stand. They are taking the abuses, suffering the persecutions, the fines, the ridicule, the lawlessness that's been launched against them to force them to close down. But you know, God's people, we always find a way. God is stirring up his people to pray, and we're seeing the evidence of that. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's not necessarily a physical healing, but it's a, a spiritual healing, an emotional healing, in a sense, a socio, socio-economic healing for the nation. It's healing in general across the board that as God's people pray, he will move on behalf of our prayers. And not only are God's true children praying more, but we are seeing answers to those prayers. Just look at what's going on in America today. There's a whole hoopla over Trump's nomination for the Supreme Court, Amy Barrett, Wonderful Christian lady, Catholic lady, true pro-life lady. She's baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. She's just a wonderful woman full of the fire and the power of God. 
She's taking <laughs> abuse for adopting children. It's just amazing what the left does is they try to demean the character of the people that God wants to promote. But look at this. The America's greatest in abortion. Justice Ginsburg has been removed and Justice Barrett is about to replace her. That will be a huge victory for us Christians, a huge answer for prayer because it will strongly tip the Supreme Court in favor of a pro-life majority. And the Supreme Court is where the battle over abortion is going to take place. It's where Roe v. Wade was approved and it's where Roe v. Wade will be overturned in Jesus' name once and for all. Yes, and Father God is behind both the removal of Ginsburg and the promotion of Barrett. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. For promotion comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God, he is the judge. The, I love it. He is the judge. And he puts down one and he sets up another. He is promoting Barrett while he has removed uh, Ginsburg. And we're seeing that. That's answered prayer. There's also an increase in major Christian events publicly in America. You know, they shut the churches down. You can't go to church. You can't worship in church. And you can't lay hands on the sick. You can't do communion like you used to. No more hugs and holy kisses, as it were, in the body of Christ in these church buildings. And yet, I love it. God has taken the church and he's allowed it to be put outside. Basically, he's taken the church out of the church. And you see people, great people, like Franklin Graham, like Jonathan Kahn, they're going out and they're holding these national meetings. You got worship leaders like, I think it's Sean Fuchs, I think I said it right, holding uh, worship services in Seattle, in Portland, where thousands of people are worshiping the Lord under the open sky. You know, the world doesn't get to see that very often, but they're seeing it now. And I believe that's a move of God. I believe that's a prayer because churches have said, well, we're not going to close. We're going to fight. And God is allowing that to happen. And he's even taking it one step further. Open door, outdoor meetings where his name is exalted for all to see. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, there's heavy duty stuff coming on that we're going to have to continue to pray for. Yes, he is answering our prayers, and yes, he is pulling out all the stops. You know, in essence, he's trying to bring America to our knees again, to repentance, so that he can once more favor us and bless us and heal our land. But this is just the beginning. Much, much prayer is still needed for the president, for the election, for the church, and for our justices, and for the abortion issue. Pray that Jesus would baptize President Trump in the Holy Ghost, you know. We can't be neglecting to continue to pray for all of those things surrounding the election, our president, our government leaders, our church leaders. But the accent right now really needs to be put on the president. You know, he's currently uh, being healed and recovering from the COVID. I don't know how he got it. I don't know. I don't care. All I know is we cover him in the blood. We wash him in the blood. And we pray that God would fill him to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus in Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist was talking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's been prophesied. You know, there's many prophets in operation right now. The, the gifts of the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the apostle. They're still in evidence today. We still have them today. And as a matter of fact, if you were watching The Return, you would have seen a man of God. His name is Kent Christmas. And he spoke prophetically for about five minutes. And what an encouragement that was for the church. I encourage you, uh, go to YouTube and look up Kent Christmas and check out the prophecy that he did on September 26th in Washington, D.C. Amazing, amazing, amazing speaking for God on behalf of the church about what's going to be taking place very soon in America. 
And also you had Kim Clement. He had prophesied years ago, maybe three, four years ago, about an American president. And he was talking about that this American president, he didn't name him, but he said this American president, God was going to baptize him in the Holy Ghost. I mean, we haven't had a spirit-filled president. I don't know that we ever did, but I know George Washington was a man of prayer, constant prayer. He's known that he was a man of prayer. And when he was being used by God in the building of our nation, obviously you needed all the power you could get. Well, in Christianity, all the power you can get is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus talked about this. And even, you know, John said, I indeed baptize you with water. And yet Jesus said, but I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And it's amazing to me. I understand the baptism in water. That was under the law. That was before the resurrection of Jesus. But Jesus said, I've got a new baptism for you. And it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that is the baptism which Jesus is talking about when he says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. Jesus isn't talking about water baptism. He's talking about spirit baptism. I find that so astounding that we don't preach that like we need to. And it wasn't just the baptism in the Holy Ghost, but there was more to it. John the Baptist said, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. We need the fire of God. America needs the fire of God. And there's two kinds of fire. There's the fire, the cleansing, the purifying fire. And then there's the fire of the Holy Spirit of God that announces the presence of God. Currently, America is being tested in what's called the fire of God or the furnace of affliction. Pray that we would fight through this and we would come out of the other side of this cleansed and purified, ready once more to serve God as a pure people. And that's found in Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. And God was talking to Isaiah about the nation of Israel. For my name's sake, I will defer mine anger, saith the Lord. And for my praise, I will refrain for thee that I cut thee not off. He's saying, despite your sin, I am not going to destroy you. He says, behold, in verse 10, I have refined you, but not with silver. I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even for my own name, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? Why should my name be polluted, saith Lord? I will not give my glory unto another. God, I believe, is purifying our nation. Our nation, we've been literally through hell. Uh, It didn't happen by accident. We've rejected God. The Bible talks about the fact that we've even despised the word of God. And that's a shame, you know, for a country that has a church on every corner, uh, a country that has been founded and rooted in the love of God, uh, for the wisdom of God, for the grace of the nations, and we've rejected all that. You know, the Bible says the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. I must use that scripture on this radio show every day, every time I come on. It's one of my favorites. And when God sends his goodness, it's not to pat us on the back and say, well done. When God says his goodness, it's to correct us, to get us back on course. It's like mom and dad. They loved you and they would gently reprove you, but reprove you they would. They may take a privilege away from you. With me, I love baseball. I played baseball when I was bad. They kept me home from the games. Nothing would hurt me more. But at the end of the day, it was for my good. They were trying to get me back on course. And so God needs us to pray as a people, as a church. We need to pray for our president. Father, we call him healed, we call him healthy, we call him strong. We call him led by the Spirit of God. We believe his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We believe President Trump is a Christian man. We ask that you continue to send labors across his path. 
people like Pompeo, who's a Christian, Paula White representing God, Franklin Graham has his ear, Michelle Bachman and Jan Merkel, Father God, people that would speak, thus saith the Lord unto our president, that would keep him on the straight and narrow. And Lord God, we trust that you would baptize him in the Holy Ghost and fire, Father God. Perfect that which concerns our president in Jesus' name. Amen. So not only must we pray for the president, but we must intercede for uh, the election. I've said for probably 12 months now, I don't know that we're going to have an election. I hope we do. But the left, the demon-inspired people who hate God, who hate America, who hate Trump, who hate the church, who hate our freedoms, they are pro-communist, they are pro-socialist. Remember, socialism, it's uh, where the state replaces God. That's why God's against this type of government. God is God. He will be served. He will be honored for his name's sake. He will give us his mercy and he will cleanse our land. And yet socialism is a nation under rule, under law, without God. And we can't abide that. We can't let that happen to America. So you want to pray for this election, that this election goes through, that it's run honestly, that it's run fairly, that the ballots are counted correctly. Father God, I come against any deception, any thievery that would try to destroy or overturn the proper results of this election. We call this election, we say it's going to be fair. Father, I pray that you would root out those that would attempt to violate our constitutional privileges and rights of a fair election, Father God. Lord, I rebuke the devourer, the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I rebuke that spirit that would attempt to rob this election of a fair count. And Lord God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that the man of God will be promoted, that the woman of God will be exalted, Father God, that you will fill our courts, you will fill our mayoral seats, our gubernatorial seats, you will fill our Senate, and you will fill our House of Representatives with men and women who are serious about obeying you, who want to know you better, and who want to do best for the people of America who truly love our nation in Jesus' name. First Timothy one eight. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without, without wrath and without doubting. You know, the Bible's full of encouragement and promises by God concerning prayer. The praying church must assume a leadership role for America. This isn't done at the election booth. Truth be told, this election will not be decided at the booth. This election will be decided in the prayer room. Will the people of God rise up? Will they intercede? Will they take authority? You know, I believe in the realm of the spirit. I believe that this election is either going to be won or lost because the church is doing what we're supposed to be doing. People are going to pull the levers and that's fine. But as we pray, the Holy Spirit brings pressure to bear upon the hearts of men. And as we trust God and we repent as a people, we're allowed to exert spiritual influence into their hearts. And that's what we do. America is the responsibility of the church. It's a talent on loan from God and we will be held accountable for this nation. I don't care about your beliefs. I don't care about your favorite doctrine, your favorite pastor, what he says. This nation has been gifted. And this nation has not only been gifted to us who live here, but the entire world has been gifted by the nation we call America. It's been a place of blessing. It's been a place of comfort, a place of protection and grace for this end time in which we live. We fought wars. We defended the defenseless. We have fed the world with our wheat fields. We were instrumental in the reformation of the nation of Israel. We have restrained the advance of evil by our power and our might. We have been the first on the scene of other nations' disasters and their calamities. We've led the world in medicine and cures for diseases. We have sent the gospel to every corner of the globe. God has created America for the world, and he has blessed the world by America. But now we're under assault. 
we have become a wretched den of evil, a cauldron of wickedness, all because we have rejected God's word. We will continue to slide away from God unless the church resumes and continues its resurgence in the prayer room. So pray. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive, O God, and let thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of my people, the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. I love Nehemiah, man. He was praying as we should be praying. He recognized that there was God. He recognized that he was a servant of God. He understood that the children of Israel had sinned, that they have disobeyed God, that the whole house of Israel, the nation, but he joined with them. We must be like Nehemiah. He saw the wickedness of his land and it drove him to pray. How did he pray? Day and night which I pray before thee now, Lord, day and night for the children of Israel. Lord God, we pray for America. We pray day and night, Father. Daniel 9, verses 3 through 5. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord God, and I made my confession, and I said, O Lord, thou great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant of mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. So there's mercy on the table, according to Daniel, for those that keep the commandments of God. Yes, Lord, we have sinned, goes on Daniel, and we have committed iniquity, and we have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from your laws and your judgments. And, you know, we must be like Daniel. We must recognize that the sins of Israel or the sins of America, they were our sins as well. We are just as guilty as those people that are sinning, those people that are aborting their children, those people that are living immoral lifestyles, those people that are murdering, those people that are stealing and lying and robbing. We're guilty. This is our nation. The church, we have the ability to restrain evil. Thessalonians, we are called to restrain the evil in our land. We are called to restrain the evil in our churches. When the church goes silent, there's no accountability. Nope, there's no work for the Holy Spirit of God to do. As we speak the truth, as we let the nation know that, hey, abortion is wrong, murder is wrong, stealing and robbing and lying is wrong. Pedophilia is wrong. Lawlessness is wrong. When we challenge that and when we call out, if that is undergirded by a spirit of prayer, then the Holy Spirit of God deals with men's hearts. And he is allowed to convict them of their sin. And that's the first step into repentance. The fact that, Lord God, wow, I was wrong. Lord God, I'm a sinner. Wow, Lord God, I need a Savior. God's provided the Savior for us. But we've got to begin with prayer to bring about repentance so God can deal with the hearts of men. We must be like Daniel. He recognized the sins and he took the blame for it. He put it on himself, the mark of a true intercessor. Moses did the same thing. Look at Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We got to be like Paul who warned the church of the necessity and the duty of both constant praying and constant watchfulness. The opportunity is still here. Our hope is still in front of us, guys, but time is also short. Many think that Peter is representative of the New Testament church. If so, listen to how Jesus admonished Peter about prayer and watchfulness. Matthew twenty six forty, And he came unto the disciples, and he found them asleep. And he said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? You know, it's a question for today's church as well. Will we continue to sleep through the war that's raging in America right now? Will we miss the opportunity 
to defend our land? Like Nehemiah, must we face destruction before we awake? Or like Daniel, maybe, will we wait till we are taken captive by other nations before we pray? These are the questions that the church is faced with, and these are the questions that the church must answer. I'm encouraging you personally, right now, one-on-one, get right with God. Recognize that you need a Savior. If you are born again and you've accepted Christ, then go ahead and repent. Intercede for the nation. I don't care whether you never had an abortion, whether you never murdered anybody. I don't care if you're the most law-abiding citizen. Get on your knees and ask God to forgive you for your part in being silent. And trust God that he's going to go ahead and answer those prayers. We are establishing a track record on you. Right now, we are reestablishing a track record that God's going to answer prayers. These are the questions that we have to answer. But we are currently in the process of seeing him answer those prayers. Like I said, we are building a foundation of answered prayers again in our nation, and we cannot stop now. We must be more fervent than ever. You know, I can only hope and pray that we continue along these lines in prayer and supplication before our Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.